8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. And the viewpoint, it certainly is. So looking forward to getting your viewpoint and certainly the viewpoint of the guests or my guests tonight. And my big hitter for the night is uh, Cebu Gule, uh, spelled G-U-L-E. And he's done many things in the legal profession. Uh, in particular, he has been or is, is just about on his way out uh, with, with a legal firm, with a global legal company um, uh, that he's been involved in for, for a while. And that's a Norton Rose Fulbright. He's been the chairperson in South Africa. He's been the CEO of Norton Rose Fulbright in South Africa and also the chairperson of Norton Rose Fulbright Global. I think that's on a rotating basis, but you're going to tell us about that just now. So that's it. The, our big hitter for the first hour of the show. You, as always, can engage with me and you do that by calling in 0891104207. That's option one, 0891104207. Option two, WhatsApp voice notes, maximum 30 seconds, please, uh, 0614-104-107. You can tweet, hashtag SFM Viewpoint, tag me, Ashraf Garda, tag SFM Radio, tag uh, Sibu Gule as well. It's S-B-U underscore G-U-L-E. And uh, you also have the fourth option, which is SMS, is 40938. So basically, what I'm saying is the doors are open for you to share your views. Sibu, good chatting to you, and thanks for... Uh, well, allowing us to, to get you in, in the hot seat as our big hitter for the night. Good evening, Ashraf. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be uh, here and uh, to engage with you and your listeners. You know, the funny thing is I was looking at something today on Twitter, and Twitter's got this digital diary. We first met four years ago. We're not interviewed. That that's, was then. It's, and in that period, you became the global chairperson of Norton Rose Fulbright, and now you're, you're on your way out. Yeah. In fact, at the time uh, you were interviewing me, mm. I had just been appointed the global uh, chairperson of uh, Norton Rose uh, Fulbright. And uh, now I'm on my way out. I feel that, uh, you know, I've done my fair share of uh, what, uh, you know, I should be doing uh, in the legal profession. And uh, I'd like to uh, venture into uh, something else and make a, a difference in the uh, business uh, world. It's interesting you say that because, I mean, in the, in the legal field, 50-something is not exactly over the hill. It's, it's very much in the prime of your career career isn't it and yet you you choose to to leave this global company and, and go on your own what, what's the what's the why factor on that I, I think I've been fortunate uh, enough uh, that um, I've not only uh, practice uh, law uh, but I've also been involved in management of uh, one of the uh, bigger law firms in South Africa and uh, as well been at the helm of uh, the firm at a global level and one of the things that uh, has really been a passion of mine within the legal field, mm. that is, uh, besides uh, you know, practicing and uh, delivering an absolute excellent service to uh, clients, has been the training of young people. And I think I've done uh, a fair share of that. There are quite a number of people that I've trained uh, during uh, my time in the law firm. Some of them have gone on to be general counsel in the private sector. Some of them have gone on to be advocates. Some Mm. of them have Mm. gone on to be directors. And I feel it's time for me to move to a different stage because I believe that I can make a greater impact in terms of uh, my skills and uh, what I can do in terms of business. Because okay, and, and there's greater impact in use the word business, which is interesting. Yeah. What sort of impact do you like to make? Would you like to make? 
You see, for me, I think that uh, one of the things uh, that uh, I think is important uh, for people in this country is to be doing things that are going to develop uh, the mm. uh, economy and uh, thereby uh, making a difference in terms of the lives of our people. The majority of our people are still very poor because of the legacy of uh, the past. And it is important that uh, we get more and more entrepreneurs and Mm. business people that are going to create value in the businesses that they establish, thereby being able to bring in people who are graduates, for instance, that are unemployed, Mm. Mm. and they're making a difference in the lives of those people by making a contribution to the economy and by making a contribution to the employment of those people, especially the young people. I mean, it really is a sad situation where you've got quite a number of people who are graduates, but that are not able to find employment. Well, well, let's talk about that. I mean, we... I know there were protests uh, uh, last week, in fact, uh, around these graduates protesting, and there was something a year ago. I mean, it's an interesting thought, and, and you may tell me what, what you feel about it. How do you explain it that, that a graduate um, is, is unemployed? I mean, who's, whose, fault, whose fault would that be when, when a graduate cannot get a job? I don't think that uh, one can really, you know, put it on the basis, uh, you know, of uh, who is at fault. Because, I mean, if we look at things on that basis, I don't think that, I mean, it enables us to get to the solution. I think uh, we should be solution-oriented in terms of how we look at these things. For me, I think there are certain basic structural, you know, problems with uh, our economy and our education uh, system. The world is now moving to what has been called the fourth industrial uh, uh, revolution. Mm. The Mm. question that we've got to ask, are the graduates that uh, we are producing in this country, you know, ready for the fourth industrial revolution? You know, in short, for me, are we, you know, producing graduates that are able to feed what the economy is uh, trying uh, to do? Is there alignment between, you know, the education system and, uh, you know, what uh, the economy and, uh, requires. And your short answer? Are, are my, we, my, my, my short answer is that, my, my short answer is simply that, I mean, you know, the fact that you've got so many people that are unemployed is proof of the fact that we are not generating people that are able to fit into what the economy needs. So what really needs to be done, which is another thing that uh, I was going to, you know, talk about, the, you know, synergy between, you know, politicians and Uh, business uh, on the other hand. You know, it is important that, uh, you know, when we sit down and plan, you know, the education, the curriculum and everything, that uh, at the end of the day, it's just not a matter of educating people for the sake of people having, Mm -hmm. you know, degrees behind their names. But, I mean, we are educating these people on the one hand so that they can be in a position to fit into what we are trying to do in terms of the development of the uh, economy. It's an important point. I want to pick up on that in a moment. My guest uh, is uh, Sibu Gule, who is now the outgoing, uh, well, former director right now, but also outgoing chairperson or chairman of Norton Rose uh, Fulbright, which is a legal firm uh, based in South Africa, but it's it's part of a global uh, legal firm, and, and, and you've heard his thoughts about building something of the future. It's, it's an interesting thought about uh, training people for the fourth industrial revolution, or maybe training people with third industrial revolution ideas in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. My quick thought on that, that's like trying to sell, uh, train people to sell umbrellas in the midst of a 10-year drought, something there's a mismatch there. More to come. Your thoughts. Welcome. 89 
1-104-207. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life is all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Visit and join Movember.com and help change the face of men's health by raising awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, male mental health, and suicide prevention. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. The Northwest Provincial Legislature's Committee on Premier, Finance, Economy and Enterprise Development will conduct public hearings on the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill on Thursday, the 15th November 2018 at Mosana Community Hall in Zeres, Mohopa Community Hall in Ventersdorp, Purumuk Community Hall and Faubos Luat Community Hall in Madibeng. All hearings starts at 10. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. So with me, we're talking, uh, we're talking about the law, we're talking about careers, we're talking about building South Africa, we're talking about developing the levels of excellence and skills that our country so desperately needs. His, um, so he's a legal man, but he's on the way out because he sees his role as far bigger. 0891104207. So I mean, you, you do agree then there's, a, there's been a mismatch, right? Definitely. There's no question about that. Um, the fact of that, for instance, I mean, one of the things that uh, we know, we need quite a number of people that are going to be entrepreneurs in engineering, in IT, you know, and their related fields. Mm. But unfortunately, what has been happening, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, there are quite a number of people that are trained in the arts. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's very difficult for the economy to absorb those uh, kind of people. And also, I mean, it is a well-known fact that here in South Africa, we don't have good tuition. The majority mm. of uh, the kids do not get good tuition in maths and science, which are the kind of subjects that are needed for the careers uh, that uh, need to drive the economy. So, so having not done this before, and we can apportion blame to a variety of organizations and, and reasons, right? What then needs to happen now? I think what needs to uh, happen is that, I mean, we should be getting together, particularly uh, business and government, and I suppose uh, labor to be saying, okay, let's look at the past. What is it that uh, we did incorrectly? Where are we now? What is it that we want to be doing for the future of uh, South Africa so that we can come up with a solution which is going to ensure that, I mean, the education system that uh, we have is aligned with uh, where the business is uh, going. And obviously, we must also look at international uh, best practice in terms of, you know, what are the, you know, education systems that have worked in Developed mm, countries, mm. in developing countries. I mean, for instance, I mean, India um, also had a similar problem to ours. Mm. Not that they are out of the woods yet, but I mean, there was a lot of focus uh, on IT and uh, quite a number of uh, other areas that were needed by the economy. As we know today, those uh, the companies that uh, were started by entrepreneurs that were the product of uh, that effort, you know, are companies that uh, are dominant companies uh, in India, and some of them are even dominant uh, companies uh, uh, internationally. Which brings me on to an important point, which is that in, in constructing the type of education at basic and higher level that people follow, should, should the education departments take their cue from, from industrialists, from business people who understand global trends? So now we're saying, you know, 4IR, 
or or should it be that that education develops what it wants and we hope that business follows the suits of, of the type of skills that, that is that is brought out by education? Who 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 actually sets the agenda? For me, I just don't think that too, you can leave things to chance and you train people in the hope that somehow business is going to absorb them. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, for far too long in South Africa, we've been playing the blame game. Mm. You know what? I think that we've got to get to a point where we say what is important for the country and each and every person, you know, takes it upon themselves to uh, be the change that they want uh, in the country. So when you say, you know, who should take the initiative, I think we should have a dialogue so that we can be in a position to say this is what we need in order to take the country forward. Mm. And I'm just not talking about a talk shop where people talk for the sake of talking but without coming up with concrete plans. And I think as well, you know, even for political parties, you know, we may have differences, but we know what is it that we need in order to improve the country. If we can uh, agree on the you know, basic things that need to be done in order to have a serious paradigm shift and uh, try and have a concerted effort to agree on those things that uh, we can agree on in order to move forward, I think that I mean, we can okay, be in that, a far much be, better place. That would be your wish list. Do you, do you think that's going to happen, that these various... <clears throat> you know, organizations, labor, political parties, people in government will all come together and, and define the jobs of the, of the future? Ashraf, my view is simply that, um, you know, if there aren't, you know, certain fundamental things that we agree on in terms of how we go about doing them and also how we are going to go about achieving those, then we can rest assured that it's going to take much longer because we're going to be fighting amongst ourselves in terms of what needs to be achieved mm. and uh, how it's going. I believe that there are certain you know, basic things that uh, we can uh, agree to. For instance, uh, in uh, Mexico, you know, one of the stumbling blocks that they identified was their uh, employment and labor regime. And mm. what they decided to do is that, uh, you know, they are going to, the political parties are going to get together and uh, look at what is it that they agree on and uh, what is it that they disagree on and concentrate on those things that they agree on. And guess what? There are quite a number of things that they agreed on. And then they were able to say, we are not going to compromise in terms of the achievement of the things that we have agreed on. So let us try and push as much as we can. And now, I believe that there is a difference that has been made by the change in terms of their well, employment regime. That's going to be agreement. the way to go at least have a, a discussion, uh, let's call it a coalition of ideas, if not party coalitions, a coalition of ideas uh, in terms of where we go with the future. My guest, Sibu Gule, uh, the outgoing, well, former chairperson of Norton Rose Fulbright. He's a legal man, but he's got some ideas in terms of where this country should go down the line. What, what do you think is working in our country? Like maybe three three key things that... In spite of all the problems we have, and many other countries have problems, what do you think is like, hold it, this is great? Yeah, um, one of the things that, I mean, is working uh, uh, very well and uh, which I was uh, able to talk with, um, you know, pride whenever I was uh, questioned about the problems in South Africa is, for instance, uh, the uh, judiciary. Mm -hmm. um, the judiciary, I mean, has acquitted uh, itself uh, uh, very well. And um, it has, uh, you know, come up with the kind of judgments that uphold the uh, constitution that is uh, revered uh, around uh, the world. 
Um, I would say as well, you know, even though we may have had, you know, certain, you know, uh, problems uh, in uh, Parliament mm. with the robustness and sometimes, you know, even violence. But I mean, you know, uh, Parliament, you know, has fulfilled, you know, uh, a very uh, good role in terms of what they are supposed to do. And you see it in the uh, legislation that has, uh, you know, uh, come out of uh, uh, Parliament. And I suppose, you know, uh, it's not all uh, doom and gloom, even with uh, the economy of this uh, uh, country. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you just have to think where we were uh, in 1994 with the uh, economy of this country. And I'm happy that uh, even though, you know, there may have been an element of, uh, you know, mistrust between business, you know, uh, labor Mm. and uh, the politicians, uh, it seems as if, I mean, there is uh, a closer collaboration. You know, for instance, some of the initiative that uh, was taken by the uh, CEO uh, initiative when they went to uh, talk to the rating agencies, mm. which, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, to put the case for South Africa to overseas business people. So at least, I mean, one is starting to see, you know, the business and uh, the politicians working together. So there are certain things that are working. That is why I am very optimistic that we can be in a position to have a dialogue and agree on certain things. You know, after all, the way in which we got to this democracy that we have, it's something that is hailed around the world on the basis that we were able to solve the problems of this country we, peacefully. We, we so had, why can't we, had, we do it? Brother, yeah, we had dialogue. So, I mean, those are the things that are working. What then? What are the three issues that we're getting wrong at the moment? I think, you know, the unfortunate, um, you know, thing is that, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to be very self-deprecating as uh, uh, South Africans. And, uh, you know, instead of, uh, you know, looking at the good things that uh, we have and what we have achieved and saying, what is it that uh, we should be doing together so that uh, we can uh, move the country forward? There's just too much of a, a negative narrative. And also, uh, unfortunately, there is also, you know, a, a culture as well of a, a entitlement. Uh, because, I mean, there are some people who expect mm. that someone else is going to be doing things for them. You know, if we have the attitude that uh, each and every one of us, regardless of our station in life, there is something that uh, we should be doing in order to not only change the narrative in this country, but to do those things that are going to contribute towards the development uh, of the country. Okay, so can so, do attitude. So criticism and then cultural entitlement, is, is that one point or, or is that two? Oh, well, it's, it's, it's related. Two, two, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and is, is there more? That, that you think we're getting wrong right now? I think for me, you know, the mindset, you know, mm. at the end of the day, you know, it's the most uh, important thing because, I mean, you know, um, quite a number of uh, uh, people believe, for instance, uh, and I'm one of those who believes in the power of uh, uh, positive uh, thinking. Mm. And, uh, you know, the old adage, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, be the change that uh, you want, you know, uh, to see and things like that. So, I mean, it is important that uh, we have a mindset shift and uh, to say to ourselves, you know, there are certain things that we've been able uh, to do and uh, we can do this. So for me, I think it is important that, uh, you know, we just have mm. a mindset shift. But, but here's the thought. I mean, I'm completely on side with the mindset shift. But but how do you how do you get a person who's who's down and out, who's depressed, who's unemployed, who's unskilled, uh, who's who's in the midst of poverty and you tell the person, 
have a positive mindset. I'm I'm thinking in in cricket terms, it's like somebody being sent to to follow on in the second innings of a game and say, have a positive mindset. How how do you do that? That is where uh, leadership comes in. That is why it is important uh, that we do not only look to politicians to give uh, leadership in terms of uh, what should be uh, done. Business people, people like me, um, who have uh, achieved a measure of success, we should be uh, asking ourselves, you know, what is it that uh, we should be doing in order to influence that uh, mindset uh, shift? Because, I mean, if we do not uh, uh, do that, you know, uh, this is going to, you know, affect the uh, our children who come from uh, privileged backgrounds because, you know, you can't be, you know, thriving and enjoy what a country has to offer in the midst of abject poverty. So it is important, one, from that perspective, but also from a moral uh, perspective. I mean, you know, I always say, you know, if your purpose in life was only to come into this world and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy the riches that this world has to offer, and at the end of it all, you say, you know, I did it all for myself and for my family. Are you going to be really satisfied that uh, you lived a life that is worthwhile? Which reminds me of the words of uh, Nelson Mandela that, you know, in life it doesn't uh, matter that uh, we lived. What matters is uh, the difference that we made in other people's lives. There you are. Lots to talk about that. Uh, Let me pick out some of the callers now. My guest, my big hitter for the night, Sibu Gule, was uh, was a legal person, but he's effectively going to leave that position as the former chairperson and CEO of uh, a large legal firm, Norton Rose Fulbright, and also former chairperson of Norton Rose Fulbright uh, Global uh, to pursue his own business interests because he believes that that's where he can make a bigger difference to our country. It's that type of positive mindset that we need multiplied by 100, I would think. Okay, but let's get to callers now. Bongani from Newcastle, you're first up. Hello, Bongani. Hello, how are you? I'm good indeed. Good, good of you to call in. What, let's I'm, add I'm to the called. debate, yeah? Can, can, can I be out of the topic a little bit, right? I'm going to ask a question about that. I want to understand if you can tell me why is Mr. Ramaphosa supposed to go to Europe, France, and tell them how he's going to expropriate the land and stuff? If you can answer me after you've done with that guy. So after nine, if you can tell me why why he's supposed to go to those guys and who, tell who them must what tell you after nine? I, I'm not sure what you mean. Who, who should tell you this after nine o'clock? I mean, if you could an answer why, I would like you to tell me why. Why is he going overseas instead of staying at home? Yes, and, and explain this in our own parliament. Why are you supposed to go to outside? All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I have a view, but let, let, okay. let's get Sibuguli. I'm sure he's got his own opinion about, you know, okay. the, the role wait, of a wait, president. I've, I've, so I've got another thing I need to say to this guy, right? Yeah. Uh, you see, when it comes to the thing of math and science, to me, I don't see it working. You know, we finished school years ago. They say math and science, and we did math and science, and we pass it. You know, most of my friends that I was doing math and science, we, just, we passed it, we take it to tertiary, we got N courses, N5, N6, but we never got an apprenticeship, we never got a leadership. And most of them are working in casinos, checkers, working in stores. Mm-hmm. Most of us, most of the guys I know, not even one is an electrician or making, but we got those trade or N courses that you do in colleges and stuff, but it's not working. Okay. They must say exactly what people need to do so they will get skilled. Because this thing of medicine science for me, I don't see it working. Okay. And plus, yeah. remember, if you, if you, most of the people are, are, are schooling in rural areas. 
and you, you get that one child or two child will get distinction on math and science. Only those two, three children will go to city. What happened to the big percentage that didn't do distinction okay. in the Let school? Me, let's What's going to happen to those guys? Okay, Bongani. Okay, Bongani, let's leave it at that. Bongani, hold it, hold it. Bongani, I want to get Sibu to answer because otherwise we're not going to hear what he's got to say based upon the issues that you've raised. But thank you for calling in. You do sound very, very troubled and concerned about where you are, and I can certainly sympathize with that. But what that really means in terms of helping you is another story. I mean, we're speaking about a mindset. I get a sense that 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 call reflects a, a deeply frustrated person who's... Where do I go next? He's questioning the president. He's questioning the, the qualifications. He doesn't give people jobs. He needs a way out. I mean, wh- what do we tell someone like him? Yeah. First of all, in terms of uh, the uh, president uh, going overseas, mm. Mm. Um, we must uh, understand that uh, we are part of the uh, global village. And uh, one of the things that uh, we would like to happen in this country um, is to have overseas investors investing in the country so that we could have uh, more jobs. Now, if um, there is a narrative that uh, the uh, transfer of uh, land from the uh, minority to the majority is going to cause economic upheaval, it is important that uh, our president and uh, you know even business people go and explain, you know what is envisaged by this process so that we can give them comfort that uh, when they invest in the country their investment is going to be protected and that there is not going to be a political upheaval or turmoil as a result of the way in which the transfer of land uh, is done. So it is important that uh, we deal with that. So he wouldn't be wasting his time and our time by travelling abroad? Uh, Definitely not. Then the uh, other issue I mean, for me, there's no question about the fact that, you know, maths and science is absolutely necessary. The fact that there are people who have not been able to find jobs Mm -hmm. because of the state of the economy does not mean, uh, you know, that we should then forget what has been proven to uh, work in quite a number of uh, uh, economies. The fact that, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, uh, fewer jobs or alternatively that, I mean, what is studies is not properly aligned mm. with uh, the needs of the economy does not mean that uh, we should throw the baby uh, with uh, the uh, bathwater. It means that, I mean, what we should be uh, doing is to be trying to create more opportunities for those individuals so that they can fit into the economy. But, but that person can't wait, you know, Bongani, if he reflects... A thousand people who are unemployed and unemployable, he, they can't wait. But I mean, then it means what we need to be doing is to go and uh, look at that particular situation in terms of the causes that uh, were done in order to come up with a solution as to, you know, what is the problem? You know, I mean, is it their uh, qualifications or what they did? And those qualifications, are they the kind of qualifications that are required by the economy? And I hear when you say that they're impatient and they can't mm. wait, but what alternative do we have? We do need to get to the problem, to the bottom of the problem, identify what the problem is. You can't come up with a solution until such time that you've been able to identify what yeah, the problem is. Let's get let's get further calls here. Uh, Colin from Cape Town. Colin, go ahead. Hello. Good evening, your guest. Okay, good evening indeed. Go ahead. Yeah, do you know? Um Modern technology is taking everything over. Mm, mm. And I agree with your guest. 
that lots of students are taking up the wrong uh, diplomas and things like that. That's why they were out work today. You know, when I was at school, what I'm talking about now, 40, 50 years ago, we had what I call vocational guidance and all those things. We used to have our teachers. If you were a fantastic maths, science, or biology, and they used to encourage you, you know something, you can be a botanist or this, you can be a doctor, you can be this mm-hmm. and that and that. We need vocational guidance in our schools today. And another thing too is this. Um, the university, to go into university now, we've got three, four, five hundred thousand, whatever is going into university, and only a quarter come out in the first of two years. Now, those people that can't make university, why don't they be um, guided at school level? You aren't university material or so-and-so. You become an apprentice, boilermakers, whatever, any trade. We need mm. those people in our country. We need fitters, plumbers, electricians, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. Now, I guarantee you, um, 60% of those students that are walking out without certificates could have been an electrician, could have been a plumber, okay. could have been a boilermaker, could have been this, could have been a fitter, could have been a turner and earning their okay. own money or even right. being an entrepreneur. Okay, Colin, got that. Uh, and again, it, it's, it's something we've heard before and it's a very, very important issue there. I mean, I don't think you need to add on to that, right? Because we've sort of touched Dr. Dr. Bikicha, let's get your opinion from Cape Town. Hello. Yes, hello, sir. Thank yeah. you very much. Let me just say, you know, I've just... Uh, connected to you, I'm not very, uh, you know, clear of your content, but at least I heard people talking about education and science, yeah, and somebody yeah, asked yeah. about uh, why, why President went to Europe to talk about that. But let, let me first, first say, uh, the question that must be answered by the, the intellect, you know, in general, but particularly in education, is whether the, the curriculum is relevant in South Africa and Africa. And I, I say this, you know, because uh, if then we are regarded as the third world country, country, we have specific needs that cannot be the same, the same as, as you know, the first world country. Mm, you know? mm, mm. And, but, but people, you know, when we talk about uh, we need math and science, and you find that they equate themselves with well, well-developed uh, uh, countries. And I say this, you know, because... Uh, if you go to the, you know, our schools, specifically in the townships and uh, rural areas, the majority of children, they take what is called uh, the methylate, right? And then this thing takes you no further, you know, in terms of tertiary advancement. Now the question is then, who is going to be helped by this? Who's going to really benefit in this particular yeah. math and science? Because it, it, it's again it's going to be somebody else who is not, you know, allow me to say yeah. black. Okay, can we I let, let, let's let's get a response on that as well? Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, we're speaking a lot about education. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about legal issues just now. But but here's the thought: uh, Is this point valid that that we our education system is geared towards? first world solutions of developed countries but but we're very much a developing country so some things that we train people for are not required maybe at least for the next 50 years or so I, I, I don't subscribe to that uh, position because I mean what you know we would like to do is to move our country forward and as quickly as possible we are lagging behind as it is I mean um, in some uh, areas for instance 
simply because we were late starters, mm. we had to ensure that uh, we leapfrog the other countries, or it put us in a fortunate position, if one can put it that way, that I mean, we did not have to, you know, train people to be familiar or to be able to work in technology that was on its way mm, out. Mm. So, you know, we have literally, for instance, say in the IT space, have had to leapfrog some of the countries that uh, were there before us. So if we say that we want to be training people you know, for a third world or, you know, an underdeveloped uh, uh, country. We're not uh, being forward thinking in terms of uh, what needs to be done. Because another difficulty with that, if we train people, you know, for the here and uh, now, the unfortunate thing is that uh, when technological advances come, those people are going to be unemployed. So it is important that uh, we are always forward thinking in terms of what so we need. So training for the now will create even further deficits, actually. Absolutely. Okay. I, and I'm not saying that I mean, there is no room for training people you know, who are going to be fitting straight into what the economy needs now. But I mean, in whatever we do, it would be full-heartedly of us okay. not to be for I, I want to get to other callers in just a moment. So, KGM and Felix, just stick around. I'll get to you in just a second. Let, let's talk about one of the points that you wanted to bring up, which is, uh, and this is a, not a jobs thing. This is for the entire country. You know, values as a driver of, of human behavior. Explain what, what do you mean by that? What I always uh, uh, say in terms of um, values is that, you know, if you take, for instance, a, a missile, if I can just uh, make that example, mm. a missile has got guiding systems which determines, you know, uh, where it moves from and uh, where it ends up uh, landing. If, you know, the missile has got a bad guiding system, it ends up not hitting, you know, the target where mm. it's supposed to hit. As human beings, there is nothing else that uh, we have which guides us in terms of our thinking, in terms of uh, our behavior. So it is important that, uh, you know, as people, we have the kind of values that are going to enable us to uh, advance society. For me, I think that uh, one of the most important values and uh, that here in Africa we are fortunate to have is the value of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. And the value of Ubuntu for me one recognizes that as an individual, you cannot do it alone. And secondly, by that it means that you also, if you have developed, you must then give back to society because it's just the nature of human uh, so, existence. So here's the question. Are those values that, that you talk about, uh, this value as a driver of human behavior, exemplified by or amplified by Ubuntu, and it could be others too, is that being adopted at, at government level, at business level, at school level, at community level? Do, do you see enough of that or is it just a nice slogan that sadly is not being internalized? Unfortunately, it has turned out to be a nice slogan. And, uh, you know, there are quite a number of people who talk about it, but uh, people just do not walk uh, the talk. You know, people like... Uh, Nelson Mandela and uh, quite a number of uh, other people exemplified the values that I'm talking about. Selfless sacrifice. And some people have even talked about uh, sacrificial uh, leadership and mm. things like mm. that. You know, um, where, you know, your own, you know, material gain is not that important. But what is important 
is how you empower uh, other people around you. And for me, if we were all to have that mindset, we would move this country, you know, very far. Which brings me on to the next thing about the role of political parties, but I'll put that on pause for a second. Let's get called KG, KGM from Bloemfontein. Hello. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, in, in my own opinion, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's fault with the, with the system, the education system itself. Yeah. And on the one hand, there's, there's, there's something wrong with, with the people themselves. For example, you can get the best training that you can get. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then you can try. If you have a brilliant idea, and then you don't have any form of support to realize your idea or your dream. At the end of the day, you'll not get anywhere. On the other hand, if you get proper training, etc., 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 and then you get opportunities, but your, your 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 immediate goal is not to you know to grow so that one day, myself like SKG, when I'm dead, I can leave behind that which I started. That also is a problem, you know. And I think the solution that we can actually come up with is uh, when we work, we should try not to work for our own benefit, but rather for the benefit of our children and our children's children. In that way, I, I, I think we, we might get somewhere. Okay, got that. Thanks for that, KG. Uh, right. Uh, respond to that? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it is uh, what I'm referring to when I say mm. that it is important that, uh, you know, when you are working, it is just not for your personal uh, gratification. In fact, my view is that if you work on the basis that you want to make a difference in the lives of the other people, guess what? At the end of the day, you are going to uh, get recognition and you are going to be mm. rewarded by that which you contribute to uh, other people. And, you know, there are quite a number of, uh, you know, uh, famous people who have, uh, you know, made quotations like, you know, Henry Ford, mm-hmm. who said, you know, an organization whose only pursuit is money is a very poor uh, organization. People like uh, Bob Marley, who said, uh, you know, um, if your pursuit is just, uh, you know, uh, money, you'll spend your lifetime trying to pursue, you know, uh, numbers. So for me, I think it is important to ask ourselves, what is the essence uh, of life? And uh, why are we here. If, I mean, the answer is that, I mean, you're just here in order to, you know, satisfy uh, yourself. I think, you know, it's a very unfortunate position, especially in this country where we've got such a terrible uh, past. But, but isn't the, aren't both extremes problematic? If you're, if you're here simply for your own personal financial pursuit, you're saying that would be wrong. But the flip side, if you're here only to try and serve humanity uh, and, and, spend all your time on community projects and don't earn enough money yourself and your family then is dependent on you and you become dependent because of that. Isn't that equally problematic? Yeah, maybe let me be clear. Um, I'm not saying that, I mean, you know, um, doing things in such a way that, I mean, you improve your own life and uh, you improve the life of your own family is wrong. And uh, for me as well, I would even take it a step further. You know, I'm not the kind of person who thinks that, uh, you know, uh, being wealthy is a swear word. But use that platform in order to be in a position to make a difference in the lives of other people. I don't think that the pursuit of wealth and, uh, you know, making a difference in the lives of other people, those two things are mutually exclusive. Okay, let's get to, to Felix from Nelspray. Felix, it's your chance. Go on the air. What's your thoughts? Thank you so much, Ashraf, for taking my call. Thank you. I think the purpose and essence of life is to create. The only reason life exists is to create. If life does not create, it can never be happy. 
So the problem is this. We do not have an edu- education system which allows us or which gives us the platform to create who we choose to be. And that's where the problem is. If you, if you want to be a dancer, for example, that is the only thing that can make you happy. And that is the only thing that can make you prosperous. Except to become the best dancer you can ever be. You will never be happy and you will never be prosperous. If you want to be an engineer, then you have to be the best engineer that's possible. The environment must help you to become that which you choose to be. Mm. And that's what the problem is. Our environment, our education system is not helping individuals to become what they choose to be. And that is why everybody is frustrated. And that is why there's so much ugliness and stupidity everywhere. And that is why our education system must change to make individuals to be creative it does not matter who you want to be the education system must allow you to choose to be that which you want to be okay and that's that, the only a, a way you can be prosperous huge emphasis on education thanks for that call uh, felix uh, let, let's move on to to government now and i'm talking specifically well not not government political parties we we face with many problems. Some of them are very obvious in terms of the the, the deficit between wealthy and poor, the Gini coefficient. Uh, there, there's extreme poverty in many parts of our country. Uh, unskilled people, you know that the issues of crime manifest, uh, and so on and so on. Right? What are your thoughts about the, the way it's been set up? The, our country is that we look at our political parties, and I'm saying political parties compared to government for solutions. Ultimately, a political party then gets into government. But we've only had one party so far uh, being the ruling party, right? But do you agree that, that we do rely on political parties? Should we rely on political parties for our solutions? And, and are, they, are they doing a good job? Are they, are they helping out or are they letting us down? And I'm talking not just one party across the board, because we hear interesting narratives even now in the build-up to that 2019 uh, election. Okay, maybe before I get to, you know, the uh, political parties, one of the things that uh, I alluded to earlier mm. was uh, the issue of uh, uh, leadership. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, in this country, we have tended to narrow down leadership to saying that, I mean, it is leadership of uh, political parties and they will look to the politicians to take leadership. When I was uh, growing up, quite a number of people were leaders in their own sphere Mm -hmm. of uh, influence, regardless of what their position and what their station in life was. I mean, there were people um, who were uneducated, but who were regarded, for instance, in the community as the moral compass of the community because of what they represented in terms of uh, values. Mm-hmm. Teachers, you know, they um, were, you know, the uh, custodians of, uh, you know, values of the community. And they were respected and they were looked up to as people that provided leadership. So if we can move away, you know, from the fact that leadership, you know, only comes from politicians and uh, we think on the basis that all of us should exercise leadership within our own sphere of influence. As a father, you've got leadership uh, over your mm, children mm. and do instill those values that are going to produce the better okay, children. Okay, so that, that is one side. That needs, right, so now we accept there's got to be, we all have to internalize running our own political parties as, as individual leaders, if I can call it that, right? Absolutely. Now, what about the role of political parties? What, what have they done? My, my frank view of, uh, you know, the uh, political parties in South Africa is that, you know, as I indicated earlier, you know, we seem to be very married to our own 
uh, their own uh, individual political positions Mm. and, uh, you know, way of uh, doing things. For me, I think if we can go back to what we did when we negotiated the dispensation that uh, we have uh, to say, you know, we really have a problem. And I think we must all acknowledge that, I mean, if we do not have, you know, serious uh, interventions in terms of the economy, in terms of the, you know, uh, values of uh, the society and the morale of the society, we are really going to be in trouble. So although we don't have a crisis, but we've got a serious situation that needs a concerted effort from everyone. So do and you I not, think the do, political yeah. parties, you know, should change, you know, and uh, try and be more constructive and uh, be more engaging in terms of, you know, how they going uh, go about doing things rather than it being a political game of uh, winning uh, votes and, uh, you know, uh, trying to show that they are better than uh, well, I mean, the other party. Here's the thoughts. Do, do you feel, therefore, that political parties are not just, I was going to say, talking past each other. They're not just talking past each other. They're talking against each other to the detriment of South Africa. And it doesn't matter which political party. There's so much venom and anger that they spew out like bullies on the playground against each other, not understanding they, they're bringing down collectively the entire edifice. That is, that is South Africa. I would, I would agree with that uh, uh, statement. And I think that, I mean, if we could have, you know, a paradigm shift in terms of how we engage with each other, because sometimes it even informs how people relate to uh, each other. My view, and especially as a lawyer, I mean, I believe that, I mean, even if, you know, you're against each other, you know, in a court of law. But, I mean, what is important is to realize that, I mean, it's only the issue that, uh, you know, you are you know, at odds about. But otherwise, I mean, there are other things that uh, you could, you know, possibly agree on. And after that, you can go on, you know, and enjoy a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the the divide that we've had in this country, you know, even translates into, you know, you know the broader uh, community and how people really relate to each other. And the dialogue that uh, we end up uh, uh, having tends to be more confrontational rather than, you know, being cooperative. Because, if, let's say, um, uh, ANC and, I mean, if the EFF comes with a particular uh, proposal and it's fine, I, I find that it's a good proposal and there are certain elements that we disagree on, why can't we sit down and agree uh, on those things that uh, we know are going to be moving things forward rather than focusing but on the what answer we to that, why, why can't we? Can I say it's because all parties are putting their parties first? That, that is my view. Okay, there we are. More to come uh, from the from the mind in this case of my big eighty for tonight, uh, Sibu Gule, who's the uh, now outgoing director of Norton Rose Fulbright, a legal firm. He's the former chairperson there and CEO. We'll talk about transformation certainly in the in the legal fraternity in a moment. A ruthless serial killer has sights set on members of South Africa's elite crime fighting unit, the Ravens. The job of murder is about to get personal. While Captain Siki Moche tries to keep crime away from her family, a shootout at her husband's comedy club brings the murder and mayhem close to home. The Ravens must follow the clues and find the killer like their lives depend on it, because they do. Catch The Docket, only on SABC3 at 9.30pm on Wednesday, October 3rd. 
It is the final EFC fight night of the year on Saturday, 8 December at Times Square in Menlin. Headlined with two title fights plus massive heavyweight clashes. The granite-jawed Andrew Fonseil goes head-to-head with England's Stuart Austin. This Sunday, watch when Austin clashed with the Bulawayo bomber Elvis Moyo. EFC, every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Brought to you by SABC Sport. Right now, you know that families come in all shapes and sizes and very few South Africans live in nuclear families. So tune in to SAFM uh, for a live panel discussion on the very latest South African research on families, parenthood, and what roles both families and the state plays in ensuring the fulfillment of the human potential of all our children in our country. Goodness, that sounds like uh, a national extension of the discussion we're having right now. That happens on the 20th of November, so that, that puts it next week, isn't it? At From 9.30 to 11 a.m., uh, that's on SAFM's Talking Point with Bongi Gwana. The panel discussion uh, is brought to you by the National Research Foundation and the DSTNRF Centre of Excellence in Human Development. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Continue to chat with uh, Sibuguli, our big hitter for the night. By the way, let me just tell you, we will talk after nine, not two, but about the the, the stance taken by the, the mayor of the city of Johannesburg, Herman Mashaba, with regard to this, this person selling meats in the streets and the response and certain apologies. And we'll talk about all of that from 9 to 9.30. We'll try and get the, the big picture on that. Sibu, let's then talk about the, the legal fraternity. You have particular concerns about transformation and the and and those previously disadvantaged people and they're entering into the legal fraternity. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Ashraf, I've been fortunate that, um, you know, I've been in the legal practice now for um, 30 years mm-hmm. and I've practiced in, um, you know, uh, KwaZulu-Natal and I've also practiced uh, in uh, Gauteng um, and I've been the uh, president of the uh, Law Society and there are quite a number of um, uh, people from previously disadvantaged backgrounds, that is, uh, mm. blacks as mm. well as um, women, who are still, you know, uh, struggling uh, lawyers mm. who are not uh, able uh, to make it. And for me, although there's a shortage of lawyers, I mean, far too many of them, you know, are concentrated in, uh, you know, few areas of the law that are not. Uh, quite uh, lucrative. So we're not we're not talking geographically. We're talking about areas of of expertise, yeah, right? areas yeah. of uh, expertise. And I just feel because I've been exposed to you know a law firm that uh, does business law and um, acts for quite a number of uh, big corporation and the uh, big deals uh, that uh, we see in the country as well as internationally. I just feel that uh, the quite a number of uh, young people who have not had the opportunity either to be uh, exposed to that kind of law or, you know, who have, you know, done uh, articles but have not gone on Mm. to become uh, senior lawyers uh, in that uh, particular area. What what should they do? Um, My view is that, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, uh, twofold. One, I think, you know, not only as law firms, but generally as South Africa, there's a lot more that uh, we need to do in order to ensure that, I mean, we not only talk transformation, but we also, um, you know, see to it that transformation does happen. But there is also obviously the uh, education uh, side. 
are the kind of uh, courses and the way in which we teach law students um, enough to equip them to then be, for lack of a better word, ready-made material, mm. you know, for big business and in particular, you know, the uh, area of uh, business uh, law. Because, I mean, if the economy is uh, doing well and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, business activity, that is where, you know, you want most of your young guys to be in instead of, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you do not want the majority of them to be doing, you know, RAF matters. You don't want them to be, you know, doing a, a criminal law. Mm -hmm. What Where, you know, people end, you know, up earning a better living and they, you know, uh, advancing and making more of a contribution in terms of business is in terms of business law. That is, you know, things like, uh, you know, banking and finance, commercial measures and acquisitions and quite a number okay, of... Okay, my son's doing know, law and I will repeat your advice to him over breakfast or something tomorrow morning absolutely now you know there's this issue about uh, about a decolonized education right are we are we getting to a stage where there's there's decolonized law even and maybe specifically with business law because you brought it up that there's a there's a there has to be a new way of interpreting how how law is is um, is implemented and policies made yeah well it, it, it's a very difficult uh, subject because, I mean, I, I just do not even think mm -hmm. that uh, there is broad consensus in terms of, you know, what do we mean by, you know, decolonized law. And I think for me, though, what, um, you know, I can say is that, I mean, um, surely there has to be a different way of uh, doing things that is suitable to the needs of uh, the country as a developing uh, nation. How do we deal with law so that, for instance, uh, when you are setting up uh, a business, it becomes easy for you to set up uh, a business regardless of your level of uh, sophistication? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it means that, I mean, if you're a sophisticated business person, then you are in a position to get the best you know, uh, lawyers to be able to assist but you. But here's the in thought in the, in the short period we've got left, we've got about a minute to go. One of the big complaints around law has been that you need money to get representation. Now, by and large, I understand there's some pro bonos, but how are we going to change that? Ashraf, wise I agree. In fact, I mean, fortunately enough, recently I was involved in a South African Law Reform Commission uh, conference where we're talking about uh, legal costs. Now, I mean, um, once there are, you know, certain uh, areas where we can say, you know, the money that is being charged is too much for the service that has been rendered, I don't think that one can come up with a generalization that uh, that is a bar to people gaining access to justice. I think there are certain, you know, issues with regard to, you know, the poverty and, uh, you know, what uh, we have in this country. Because, I mean, even if you can make legal costs very cheap, the fact of the matter is that because of the majority of our people uh, are poor, you know, they're not going to be able to uh, access justice. So what do we then do? And what, what do you do? In, we're going to wrap up. One of the things, I mean, seconds, yeah. is that, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, firms like, you know, Norton Rose, Fulbright, and quite a number of big firms. I mean, there's quite a lot of uh, pro bono work that they do. And I think that can be extended so that you can be in a position, you know, to get more people doing pro bono work. But besides that, you know, I agree with you. I mean, they, for lack of a better word, you can try and dump down, you know, some of uh, the, uh, you know, 
uh, legal uh, things so that it can be easy for people, for instance, to go and represent themselves in court. If someone does not have an attorney, if they're representing them in court, you know, they shouldn't be prejudiced by the fact that, you know, they are not represented. So, you know, try and find a way in which the law would be much more friendlier and people can understand Okay, we'll, we'll certainly talk about a bit transformation in the legal fraternity. Even if you've, uh, once you've left Norton Rosen, we'll talk about it because I think it's an important issue to touch on. I appreciate your time. Thank you for your time. Time has flown. One hour. Sibu Gule, thank you for being our big hitter for the night. I can't believe that time has well, gone by so quickly. Thank are. you very much, Ashraf. And maybe the same for your own career as well. There you are, Sibu Gule. We'll have a podcast up of that tomorrow morning. Let's get the news now. It's just gone nine o'clock.